you're listening to Reigning Revolution, Jedi in the Arts. That's justice, equity, diversity, and innovation in the arts. Tune in to hear conversations with various artists about these themes. Brought to you from CFUV 101.9 FM, and I'm your host, Meharuna Gani. Reigning Revolution is coming to you from the traditional territories of the Sanhis, Esquimalt, and Wasanich peoples, whose historical relationships continue to this day. I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Jacqueline Coe. Jacqueline Coe is a Vancouver-based soprano and the founding artistic director of Opera Mariposa. Opera Mariposa is Canada's first fully disability-led and run opera company. And this is something very beautiful that I've been wanting to talk to Jackie about Uh, in the context of art and accessibility and inclusion. And when I found out about this from a friend of mine, um, I just thought, oh, I have to reach out. And Jackie kindly agreed to be a guest with me here today. I'd like to start off first by asking you a little bit about a little bit more about yourself and also um, for you to name which traditional territories you are calling uh, us today from? Well, I'm joining you today from the traditional unceded lands and waters of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. Thank you for having me. Um, I am an operatic soprano. I started singing at the age of 10, and I just fell in love with it immediately. You know, my first teacher was a opera singer, and so she told me straight away that I had a voice that was suited to opera, that's just how I got in, just didn't look back. Um, I'm also disabled. Uh, I have myalgic encephalomyelitis, ME, you know, previously sometimes known as chronic fatigue syndrome or CFS, although some people feel that's a slightly uh, dismissive name, I guess you could say. That doesn't really encompass the, uh, you know, broad spectrum of the symptoms and of you know basically what the illness is i actually became disabled i i was already ill but i became disabled by my illness i think a few weeks after i started singing so i've been disabled for my entire career and obviously you know that's had a huge impact on how i have to practice my art And when I was 20, I founded Opera Mariposa with my best friend, Robin Hahn. And a big part of the reason we decided to found a company was we wanted to make opportunities that were accessible to me and, you know, to my specific needs as a disabled singer. It's beautiful how how you moved through that space and wanting to make it accessible to yourself and, and I'm sure to other people. What what does Jedi in the arts mean to you? For me personally, it means feeling safe and protected in the practice of your art. 
being able to speak up without fear, knowing you will be heard, you know, um, for me on a personal level, it means that I am aware that I am always learning that, you know, things like, obviously as a disabled person, accessibility is something that means a great deal to me. And accessibility is a continuum. It's not an end result necessarily. It's not, we've checked this box. We are now accessible. There is, you know, it's, yeah. And I think on an industry level, you know, looking at it from the perspective as a producer, it means ensuring that the incredibly diverse community of people who want to engage with opera and who are already engaging with opera can do so safely, can do so with room for and respect for their entire identity, with room for and respect for their physical and mental health. Everything you're saying resonates so much for me with my heart. I hear words like feeling safe and protected, feeling heard, and with that comes feeling seen. And I think for those folks who have varying disabilities, there's often a need to feel seen and heard. Um, and depending on the disability situation, sometimes folks feel isolated. And so the platform you've created is a platform where folks can feel seen and heard and feel safe to participate in all their layers of identity. And that's what I'm hearing, this sort of intersectionality of identities going on. What is your definition of art? I think that art can be anything and that anything can be art. Everything you look at has an aspect of design, of function. It's, it, it is present everywhere. And, you know, I'm a performer. I'm an opera singer. I don't write the music that I sing. My job is to interpret what's there on the page. So the music that is there that the composer and the librettist put together, as it exists there on the page, that is already art but also the act of reinterpreting it to put it on the stage is also art. And I think that, yeah, that it's also putting it on the stage. You have the aspect of um, engagement with the audience, especially, you know, depending on the type of show it is, some types of performance have an element of audience participation, for example. And then I've also, especially since the pandemic, I've pivoted more towards digital performance. Mm -hmm. I recorded a single and I put out a music video and that's also has other aspects that aren't in a live performance. There's audio, video, editing, lighting, all of those aspects that I was suddenly dealing with. All of those, all of those are, you know, those are also art. Do you see the creation of opera mariposa as a form of art? Yeah, it. I mean, it, it started from us wanting to make art and wanting just, yeah, we started actually back then. I wasn't using the term disabled about myself. I was chronically ill. But when we started it, our first tagline was by young singer, by young artists for young artists. Um, and we wanted to make opportunities and give 
opportunities for people to make art. Mm -hmm. I'm curious why you were not using the terminology disabled back then and what led you to use it now. So one is personal for your personal self, but also in terms of opera mariposa, the word disabled, I, I read in 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 the description of, of your website. Um, but there I also read there's people without disabilities in opera mariposa as well. So I'm I'm curious about the use of the word disabled. Well for me at the time I hadn't I hadn't applied the term to myself yet at that point so that's why it wasn't in any of the um why it wasn't part of our tagline right and, and such I just hadn't used it for myself yet and I think part of that was having to sort of go on that personal journey where you realize that um I had to realize that I I guess you could say I counted as disabled mm -hmm. um there is this something that I find with a lot of people in who have chronic illnesses who have challenges where there's a point in where they are disabled and they haven't necessarily realized that they they ha have to struggle with the idea of am I disabled enough to call myself disabled yeah um it's especially hard for people I think who have dynamic disabilities where it can change from day to day um you know for me for example I I have used a wheelchair. Most of the time I don't, but I have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and so there's that idea that disability is much narrower than it is that you know if you don't look like the little figure on the on the sign with the wheelchair that you're not disabled. Yeah. Um and I I think it's it's one it is one of those things that you just have to think through yourself and decide whether that is how you identify whether you th you know and um and, and it's also, um, for me, it was kind of difficult because my illness, uh, ME, is somewhat stigmatized mm. to this day um, in that it was, it, there, it, um, a lot of people who've, who have been diagnosed with ME were initially dismissed as, basically as hypochondriacs or uh, you know, the sort of, it's all, it's all in your head or it's in quotes, just depression, which, uh, is problematic on several levels. <laughs> um, and so I had, I had to sort of struggle with, um, a little bit of that. And, you know, the thing that a lot of people with, they, it's sometimes called an invisible illness in yes. the sense that, you know, you can't necessarily see it when you look at someone. Yes. And also that some, uh, some people with this illness, you know, they just, if they're entirely housebound or bedbound, you don't see them anymore. Yes. Um, but the people who are out and about with an illness like Emmy frequently hear the phrase, but you don't look sick. And it, yeah, and it was a, um, one of the reasons that I am so open about being disabled mm -hmm. is I sort of wanted to challenge that idea that disability has to look a certain way that chronic illness has to look a certain way and that you know I can stand on a stage for the length of a performance but I am still disabled yeah and that's very that takes courage and strength and inspiration for yourself and to for those who are watching 
um, watching you. And I, everything you're saying resonates with me too. They, I've always wondered about the word disability and I go back and forth in terms of when I'm using it and when I'm not. And, um, and it's been a conscious decision on, on my part of using it in, and being very visible, uh, visible in the sense of open about it, so that others can speak to it and learn from it, uh, learn about disabilities, and people with disabilities. But then there's other times where I don't use it, because I'm, there's a part of me that wants to protect myself. And, uh, um, and Sometimes I just don't want to talk about it anymore because I want to take a break. Um, yeah, that is such a thing that it, it's a bit of a chore, really, to have to continue educating people over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And I've often wondered at some point, is there, you know, for lack of a better word, quote unquote, a line where one needs to also focus on self-care and, and to ensure not triggering oneself by bringing attention to the disability, either in discussion or through the art. What, what do you think around that if you feel comfortable talking about it? I mean, for me, my illness is part of every second of every day of my life. Because um, one of the hallmark symptoms of ME is called post-exertional malaise or post-exertional neuroimmune exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And what it means is that any exertion, physical or mental, causes a sort of flare-up of the illness. It causes a worsening of all symptoms. And for me, what that means is that I spend all of my time thinking about, basically, can I afford to do this? Can I afford to read this short story? Can I afford to watch an episode of a TV show? Can I afford to have a shower today? Yeah. And so like it informs every second of my life so there's a point where i mean sometimes you do just want to not think about it for a second that's completely understandable um and yeah i uh i made the choice like i said i made the choice to be very visible and very open about my disability to bring awareness to it um and to bring awareness to the fact that this is something this that is this major in my life mm -hmm. this and this is what it this is the experience you know and it's not i wouldn't say that my experience is necessarily everyone's experience even within with this one illness it is a spectrum mm -hmm. illness there is you know mod, mild to moderate to severe to very severe um and so two, two people don't necessarily experience the illness in exactly the same way. But this, is, you know, I wanted to talk about the fact that this is what my life is like. This is what it is like to have a chronic illness and mm -hmm. to be disabled. And I've had people reach out to me because I've talked about this on stage before I've talked about this in interviews. And I've had people reach out to me basically to share their stories with me because they felt seen by me talking about this. So mm -hmm. 
That's beautiful. That that touches into one of the other questions I had was around how does your art connect with people or bring them into a conversation about the themes that are important to you? And so so what I hear is, you know, the area of disability and chronic illness is very central, integral to you and to to your well-being and also to to communicating with other others through your art. And and it and it is about talking to people so that they are aware of what it is and creating this open, visible environment um, through yourself uh, and through your art. I'm going on 20 years with MS, but only in the last um, few years, I'm in this sort of progressive situation. And, and I've been saying a lot lately, I'm learning to be disabled, actually, meaning I'm navigating all these systems, trying to figure out what does this word mean to me now, yeah. um, now that it's even more visible. There's a lot of navigating of my mind I have to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, even just identifying as disabled is its own journey. Yeah. And I made a very conscious decision to be yes. public yeah. about being disabled and about having ME. And I like I made those based on having to navigate the rest of the world mm -hmm. as someone with ME and as someone who is disabled. When I hear you say that, and I feel this energy of of empowerment and courage coming from you. Like I feel it. I want to come back to um, a question I had: is how is art relational to yourself and to others? And I feel like you have touched on it, but if if you feel like you'd like to add a little more, I welcome you to do that. There, yeah, there there has always been, I think, a, in Mariposa, a bit of a focus on sort of community building. Like I said, we were originally we originally build ourselves as by young artists for young artists, so we were connecting with other people in our basically our peer group in the opera community of Vancouver um and we you know some of the people who were we still work with some of the same people who we worked with in our very first season um so there is a real sense of community building and then I always knew when we started the company that I wanted to do shows that would be used to a that would i wanted to raise awareness of my illness i wanted to raise money for charities that support research and community resources and such for people with my illness so every year we've done a benefit and awareness show mm -hmm. um we've raised um well, I, I yeah i've raised I believe at this point over $125,000 wow, for charity over the past decade. Wow, congratulations so, on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, and that's every May, which is the International Awareness Month for ME and, and fibromyalgia and I think several other chronic illnesses. Wow. Um, uh, and when I, one of the first, one of the first benefit and awareness shows we did um when we were selling tickets uh we had phone calls from people who were just so excited because they're people with the illness who had never seen an awareness event or had never you know seen one that was somewhere they could 
go and they've seen one in in their area or one in the present they'd you know they'd looked online they'd seen an event that had happened but several years ago somewhere on the other side of the world whatever mm-hmm. they were just so excited that someone was doing something mm-hmm. <laughs> um and yeah and we've made a lot of connections through that through you know just being open and finding other members of the community mm-hmm. this is amazing uh what you've done and you your focus on community building and your focus on charity and fundraising and awareness around ME. What does community building look like? Who is the community? And and how has has there been an evolution of of the organization and the work that you do? There has been an evolution, I'd say like um we started it just as an opera company. Yeah. At, for young professional singers. And over time, as we built our audience, we did build an audience that was both sort of invested in us. You know, we, we I guess you could say we gained fans. Um, but also because we've always done benefit and awareness shows, we did gain an audience specifically in that community. And of course, it you know, since 2020, we've had to pivot more towards online online sort of output and um yeah and we've uh and we and we specifically have focused more on community building with other chronically ill and disabled artists mm-hmm. and i would imagine pivoting to online it must have been even more global i'm guessing have you yeah yeah have you well, attracted international audiences well, yeah, like I, um, we were actually in uh, in the planning stages of our May show when oh. we went into lockdown yeah. back in 2020. And so we had to pivot that to an online benefit and awareness campaign mm-hmm. where we did sort of like a, an, a prize raffle that was all hosted online. And I released a single uh, instead of a live performance. And I remember when I put out the single, I actually got messages from people from the other side of Canada and from, you know, people with the illness saying, I, you know, I used to be an opera. I, you know, thank you for raising, thank you for bringing awareness. Thank you for raising money. And, you know, I'm happy to support. Um, and I recently, uh, er, this May, I put out a music video. So it's up on YouTube now. And I actually, I'm not sure how, how wide our audience is. I'm not sure if I can check you know, if, if I can see who's been watching where. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I just, I, I, I'm so excited for you because I, I would guess like by, I do think by, by putting it through um, the online digital platform that you are tapping into a broader audience. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to know who, who they are. And I think there, there probably is a way to find out just going forward a little bit about what do you dream for um that it could be through either your art or more broadly but what is your big dream i mean like in general my dream is just for to continue making art to continue singing and for opera to be accessible to me and for it to be more accessible for people like me 
I'd love to know who's your most uh, favorite opera singer. I'm going to have to say Virginia Zayani. And do you have a favorite opera? I feel like the answer to that changes regularly. <laughs> like I'm, I've gone into, sh I've done productions where going into it, I didn't think I'd be that crazy about the opera. Maybe I was interested in the specific role I was doing, but I ended up absolutely loving the show, like falling in love with the music, falling in love with the character or just the specific production or whatever. Um, at the moment, I'm very into Torandot. Nice. Beautiful. In terms of your dream, a dream about continuing to make art and singing and and continuing opera to be accessible. I think this is a beautiful dream to have and something that um, can be driven by somebody like you and people like yourself who, who believe in, in making something like this a reality. And it is, it is a reality, it is happening. Are there new projects or a project you are thinking about? There are things I'm thinking about. There's, I don't think there's anything that I can announce publicly yet. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I am currently looking at a lot of different music. I'm looking at new repertoire. I just, I've been looking at um, some Lucrezia Borgia. Mm -hmm bit of Norma. Uh, my last voice lesson, I just started looking at El Trovatore. Okay. Yeah. So there's nothing that I can like announce. Say. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. No announcements to be made, but I'm, I'm looking at things. There's. That's great. Have you ever thought about writing your own opera? Have you ever thought about writing your own music? And have you? I mean, I don't think I have the like technical capability to write my own music. The thing that I have done is for our frequently for a benefit and awareness shows, I make what we call a musical review where uh -huh. I take existing pieces okay. and I put them together in a new, in a, uh, to basically to tell a story. And I would use the music and I would also speak between the pieces oh. to tell the story of my illness and to tell, talk about my experience as being a person who is disabled, a person with chronic illness. So I would take, um, I would, and I would take pieces from a whole variety of genres. I'd, I so I do opera and art song and musical theater and even like I think I've done some pop music and country songs uh, in some of those shows all just mixed together to tell the story and to talk about what my life has been like and what my experience of it was typically my experience of becoming disabled was like. Um, yeah, and I those were honestly some of my favorite performances I've ever done. Is that something that you do in Vancouver? I, yes. I guess where I, yeah, I want to know where can people get to one of your shows if this is something that you continue to do and how can they find out more about this? I mean, at the moment, those were for our May benefit and awareness shows. At the moment, um, given the pandemic, we are not doing live performances. Still, mm -hmm. I am high risk. Okay. And a lot of people involved in Mariposa are right. high risk. So, right. um, but we are, you know, we do have the content that we've put out online for other uh, 
for our May benefit and awareness campaigns that we've done since 2020. Mm -hmm. Those are, um, you can head to operamariposa.com. Okay. Find it, and you'll find the links to all of our channels, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, etc., as well as links to my own, my own personal Twitter, Instagram, etc. So is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything we might have missed or any questions you might have of me? Um, it's free flow form here. If there's anything <laughs> you'd like to add. Just thank you for having me. Sure, no problem. I'd like to really thank Jackie for being a part of this program and for just sharing so much valuable information, making herself visible, making the Opera Mariposa a space of safety and for folks to feel seen and heard and a place to create awareness of what through the art, through the art practice of what accessibility and disability and chronic illness is like and what folks are doing through that. But not only just if we take away the disability side of things, just this evolution of art and how it can be used innovatively to create empowerment and inspiration and courage and strength for all kinds of people, those with disabilities and those without. So I'd like to really thank you, Jackie, for being a part of Reigning Revolution. And I really would like to thank you and your team of people who are doing this work in, in all the avenues that you're trying to create awareness. And I hold you with great gratitude um, for doing this. And thank you again for being, being with me today. Thank you for listening to Reigning Revolution, Jedi in the Arts. For contact information of the guests or to listen to other podcasts, please visit cfuvpodcast.com.